The Australian Open is finally underway and amidst all of the delays and all of the COVID controversy, we are finally here. The first Grand Slam of the season has kicked off and there's been some pretty big results. There's been some upsets, but the favourites are well and truly still in the tournament. This is Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Feber, and joining me as he usually does is the one and only Joel Ferrucci. Joel, how are you amidst this the madness that is uh, at Melbourne Park at the moment? Going very well, thanks, mate. Uh, slowly but surely losing sleep from all the late-night uh, sessions, just staying up, uh, watching tennis. Uh, it started on Monday night with uh, with Chapeau and uh, Yannick Sinner, the, the future of tennis in uh, four hours. Uh, my God, what a, what a match that was to, uh, to open proceedings, to tell you what. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I haven't been particularly productive this week, um, uh, you know, because of uh, the culprit being uh, the Australian Open. So apologies again to... To my employers, but um, yeah, it's that time of year. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of Christmas for a tennis lover, so uh, I'm uh, I'm enjoying it very much. It really is, and it has been with all the tournaments that we've had in Melbourne. We were lucky enough to get to Melbourne Park on Friday night, albeit with a few omissions from the ATP Cup, with uh, Gal Monfils pulling out of his match. So we saw Dennis Novak take on Nicholas Mahu on Rod Laver Arena, not one you'd usually I see. That. Yeah, never I know, <laughs> never see that ever. Um, and then Benoit Pair, we finally got to see him. And of course, in true Benoit fashion, he retired after a set against Dominic Team. So, uh, and then he absolutely launched into tournament organizers, which we will get to eventually. Big show lined up for everybody today. We've got the one and only Chris O'Connell. He's still in the tournament at the moment, and we're going to chat to him uh, very, very shortly on the show ahead of his match. His second round match against Radu Albot at the Oz Open tomorrow. Very winnable one, by the way. He played against Jan Leonard Struff in the first round. But we'll get into the agenda, Joel. Um, some quick results. It was um, Dan Evans and Yannick Sinner winning titles at the Melbourne uh, Summer Series in the men's side. And then it was uh, the Russians uh, winning of my voice just absolutely broke there. Uh, the Russians winning <laughs> the Russians winning the ATP Cup. Um, I've been a bit sick, Joel, so don't laugh at me too much. But um, yeah, the... Uh, oh, Ru- all right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, Russia, geez, they're looking ominous, aren't they? Yeah, they really are, and uh, yeah, just just the depth that they've got at the moment. Obviously, we know about Daniel Medvedev and, uh, and uh, Andre Rublev, who we're expecting big things from uh, from this event, and, and uh, we're going to get to it soon. But talking of Dan- uh, a lot of talk about Daniel for the for the championship, certainly from myself and, and you, but a lot of others as well. And um, even if you go a bit deeper than that, guys like Aslan Karatsev had a really good win over Igor Tarasov um, today. Uh, it was six love, six one, six love. Yep. An incredible win. Um, just uh, the Russians are just absolutely fantastic. They really are. And Gerasimov knocked out Benoit Pair in the first round of the Australian Open. So big result for uh, Aslan Karatsev. It's like Aslan the Lion from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So if he possesses the power of that lion, he's uh, he's going to be doing fairly well for himself. But the other results, Elise Mertens and Ash Party taking the other Melbourne Summer Series trophies, which is a great result for Ash considering uh, almost a year out of the game. But, uh, look, the Oz Open has begun. We'll kick off with the men's draw because there's been some interesting matches and two that I want to touch on, Yannick Sinner and Denis Shapovalov on Monday night. But then today, it was uh, Martin Fushevich against uh, Stan Vavrinka. Fushevich leading two sets to love. Vavrinka getting back. Fushevich serving for the match at 5-3 in the fifth set. Vavrinka breaking back, getting up 9-6 in the fifth set tiebreak. Also 6-1 as well. Uh, three match points squandered. Fushevich win, uh, wins the last five points of that tiebreak and gets up and over the line. And um, just an amazing 
match of tennis. And what's been your highlight so far in the men's side of the draw? Uh, well, mine Val was most certainly Denis Shapovalov and Yannick Sinner. Just everything about that match was exactly what we wanted. Um, it was just such a high level um, throughout. And even when Yannick Sinner's level dipped a bit, um, he still looks extremely good. And that, that was very much because he was heavy-legged from uh, winning that event in the, in the lead-up. He did play a lot of tennis. Uh, Shapo uh, mainly got his match time in. Uh, of course, at the ATP Cup with uh, with Team Canada, and in the end, I think that little bit of seniority that he does have um, can't say that about many players with uh, with Chapeau, but you can with uh, with Yannick Sinner. I think that in the end just got him over the line, and I think you'll be relieved because it's probably a match that you know, even though you've got two guys, young stars, who I think are going to make up two of the top five in tennis one day for, for sure. Um, I, I think it's a match that he would, probably would have expected to win and would have been disappointed, I think, if he had lost that. But, look, it was just uh, an incredible look at what is to come for, for us as, as tennis lovers. Yep. I mean, these two guys, um, they really did put on a show. And especially with Yannick, um, like once he matures, he's still a pretty skinny kid, let's, let's be honest. Um, moves incredibly well for, for a guy his height. I think he's about the same height as me, which is about 6'2", but... Um, yeah, still needs to mature uh, physically, but yeah, geez, once that happens, he's going to be uh, phenomenal. And um, you know, we can say the same about about Dennis, but I think for him, certainly, as we've spoken about a lot, I think for him, it's between the years. Whereas for, for Yannick, it's certainly um, the physical stuff. Big call for me is that Yannick Sinner will be in the top ten by the end of the year. I just think the way he's top playing. 10? Yep. The way he's playing. Massive. Uh, he was the only one to even give Rafa any trouble at the French Open last year, pushed him to a tiebreak and, and had his chances to take a set there. But um, we, we can get even more excited about Denis Shapovalov because he'll take on Felix Auger-Aliassime, although uh, a lot of other commentators a lot of other commentators and, and people have butchered that name, uh, mainly the guy announcing the draw, which was absolutely terrible. What was it? Auger-Aliassime? That was yeah, the, the, the pronunciation? Yeah. Was or something. Oh, yeah, God, just absolutely shocking. Do your research, that's all I can say. And also, I can say that for Channel 9 as well in Melbourne, some, uh, or in Australia, the host broadcaster absolutely has to lift their game. Tom Wren doing an absolutely wonderful job as we as we had him on last week. He's got his names right, but all of the, a lot of the other hosts and anchors, um, they are struggling big time. But Bernard Tomic lost to... Denis Shapovalov today and had a crack at uh, John Fitzgerald calling him the worst commentator he's ever heard, Joel. Uh, have you seen that yet? <laughs> uh, no, I hadn't heard that. But it's you know it's interesting that uh, you raise it, Val, and the issue of Bernie with commentators because uh, watching Channel 9 this morning, funnily enough, uh, Sam Groth, um, who's doing some commentary for 9, was actually asked uh, by Tony Jones, the host, uh, about Bernard Tomic and essentially Grothy was asked do you think that Bernie is any chance of knocking Dennis over and look he was, I mean he was right he, was, he said probably what we were all thinking but I was surprised by just how blunt he was he said um, he said I think I think Dennis is going to absolutely dismantle Bernie which in the end is exactly what happened and the the next question was uh, who do you think the crowd will be in support of and yeah Gr- Grothy very interestingly said I think I'll be supporting for Dennis because Bernie has done so much to put off the Australian public. And I mean, he wasn't wrong, but um, you know, it certainly it certainly shows that uh, you know between between Groffy and uh, even John Fitzgerald, I'm not, not exactly sure what he's done to annoy uh, Bernie, but it, it really does sort of highlight that there is you know even though Bernie is 
an interesting cat that you know makes our lives interesting as fans and as guys that like to talk about tennis. He, ma- he makes things interesting for us, but it, it really does sort of highlight that there's still quite a, a big divide between Bernie and uh, some Australian tennis personalities and certainly the Australian public as well. Yeah, a bit of resentment both ways, I think. And uh, Fitzgerald didn't hold back, uh, calling Tomich cringeworthy, um, just saying it's a shame, it's a bit sad for me. Um, and then also Tomich coming back with, I mean, you know, of course it is a bit harsh, um, but he's probably the worst commentator I've ever seen in my life as well. And then he laughed and walked out of the press conference. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff there from Bernie. But he did get through to a second round, which not many people did predict. But he can go back promoting his girlfriend who's giving away two PlayStation 5s if uh, uh, if you uh, follow her account and tag someone on Instagram. So there you go. She's got money for PS5. So, um, obviously, he's going to he's gonna be doing all right with his paycheck. But Novak Djokovic still in the tournament. Big four-set win over Francis Tiafo there. That was interesting. But the Vavrinka-Fushevich match, uh, Joel, it had absolutely everything. Um, dips, turns, momentum shifts, probably about 10 momentum shifts in that fifth set tiebreaker alone. Um, Stan was all over him. The backhand was starting to work. It was really starting to come through. Uh, the big Hungarian did everything he could to try and, and and negate it in that fifth set and actually got up 5-3 and had the chance to serve it out before Stan broke back. And just the way he returned in that tiebreak was so mesmerizing and he was able to really hit back at Stan and try and negate the power that Vavrinka does possess. And, and to come back and win at 11-9, I thought, showed so much mental fortitude considering he was down a break in the fifth set against Mark Polmans in the first round. So he's played 10 sets of tennis to reach the third mm. round, and he'll take on Milos Raonic next. So things won't get any easier. Yeah, um, incredible win by, by Big Martin. And, uh, you know, not to forget that, of course, Stanford Rinker is a, uh, an Australian Open champion. Um, so the, the fact that he was able to really come from the clouds, in a sense, I'm sure I'd be disappointed um, having lost that uh, two sets to love lead and allowing Stan back into the match. And you've got to say, Val, from there, everything was, was stacking up in Stan's favour. And certainly uh, at that point in a, in a breaker, um, I guess the little guy in a figurative sense being Martin, um, you know, you'd probably be putting all your cards on, on Stan to, to hold his nerve um, and close out a breaker like that. So I think it's all the more incredible that, uh, that Martin was able to, to come through. Um, and, uh, yeah, a big test for him against Milos Raonic next uh, as you mentioned, 10 sets of tennis. And, yeah, boy, um, big Milos. Uh, I mean, admittedly, he's looked a little bit shaky this summer, so I'm not going to completely... Actually, I'm going to give Martin a chance. I'm going to give him a chance. I'm not sure he'll get up, but I'll give him a chance. All right, there we go. Big call from Joel. I think Milos will get that done fairly comfortably with the way he's played so far. The Australian... or Sorry, the, the other big seeds that have played... So far, Dominic Team through to the third round fairly comfortably as well. And uh, Novak Djokovic threw in four, as I said, over um, over Francis Tiafo today. So he was fantastic. Um, he was really pushed as well. Tiafo really did whatever he could to try and win that match. Diego Schwartzman threw with the loss of just one set. Uh, Felix Oje Aliasim over uh, James Duckworth today as well. So there's been a lot of a lot of big results for the seeds and um, not too many upsets on the men's side. It's been fairly okay. Roberto Bautista Agu going out yesterday, probably one of the biggest ones, and David Goffin as well, the 13th seed, falling in five to Alexi Popperin. So that's where I think we come into the Australian contingent. Eight Aussie men through to the second round for the first time since 1989. Oh, sorry, the most, sorry, I'll rephrase that, Joel. 
This is the equal most since 1989. There's been about five other years where this has happened in the last uh, 32 years, but the equal most. So seeing guys like Kyrgios, Demonor, uh, who are the other ones? We've got uh, O'Connell, we've got uh, Duckworth, we've got Popperin. There's three more. Kokonakis. Um, I'm, mis I'm missing... <laughs> I'm missing some other ones here, Joe. You've got to help me out. Uh, Tomic got through. There's one more that I am easily forgetting here, and it's going to be off on the tip of my tongue that I cannot... Yeah, oh, Alex Bolt, Alex Bolt, Alex Bolt. Got it. Alex Bolt, that's right. Ruled off all eight. That's on uh, That's on memory. Um, big results for them. Um, Bolt do does so well to get through. He'll play Grigor Dimitrov in the second round, so that'll be, uh, that'll be coming out just as we release the podcast. Um, and then Alexi Popperin over David Goffarm. That showed so much mental fortitude to get through, saving four match points, saved six against Borna Gojo of uh, Croatia last week um, in the Melbourne Summer Series. So he saved a collective of 10 match points to get through um, in his matches so far this year. He's playing some really good tennis to beat Goffarm, who's such a wily customer. Um, it, it was phenomenal to watch. And just the, the sheer jubilation on his face and the relief after the match was um, was there for, just playing for everyone to see. Yeah, it was great to see Alexi win the match. I think uh, he especially, he didn't have a great 2020. I mean, obviously, well, 2020, you know, the less said about the less said about it, the better. A lot of people didn't have a great 2020, but I thought Alexi sort of dipped a little bit um, in 2020 for the, the, the tour level matches and, uh, that he that he did play. Um, and even Tanasi as well. It was especially good to see him. Um get that win as well. You could see what it meant to him. Um, and he, he really needed it. Um, as funny as that came up moment in the press conference was about his clothing. Um, it probably says a lot about where he's at. Um, unfortunately that, that Nike dropped their support of him and he had to go shop at Kmart for, for his gear. So a uh, good win for him to get back on his feet. But yeah, in terms of Alexi, no idea, um, honestly, how we managed to snatch that. Um, because, uh, to, to use some uh, blunt language, uh, David Goffin fairly shut the bed. I, I have no idea how he lost that match. It was on his racket, and he had so many opportunities. And for a guy of his experience and his standing to drop that match against Alexi Popper, and he will, will be so incredibly disappointed. Um, he, I reckon, I reckon, I don't think he would have slept a wink last night because he would have been up all night thinking, "The heck did I lose that?" Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And yeah, Davy Goffin will not be happy uh, with that results uh, at all in any way, shape or form. He said that he was fairly gutted, but he's going to get back to work and try and come back bigger and better than ever. So not too many of the big seeds falling on the men's side of things, but um, uh, Roberto Batista Agu, as I did mention, falling to Radu Albot, who will play Chris O'Connell. We will get to Chris O'Connell very, very shortly after we talk about the women's draw. And Joel, Ash Barty, well... We've got, uh, who, who is it? Duncan Kovinic and Ricardo Barankas are going to be opening oh. their own bagel shops because uh, the oh. two very notable ones at the hands of Australians. Ash Barty, clinical in 44 minutes, six love six love over Duncan Kovinic. Just amazing, absolutely amazing getting through that match, uh, just with utter gusto. Um, Dario Gavrilova as well did so well over Sara Soribes Tormo of, uh, of Spain, 6175, moving and hitting the ball better than I've seen from her in a very, very long time. But some of the seeds that have fallen so far, Joel, it has been quite alarming. Um, looking at, where am I here? Uh, Sophia Kennan was pushed by uh, Madison Inglis, uh, the Aussie, but uh, got through in straight sets. 
um, today. Joe Conta retiring against uh, Ka uh, Kaya Yuvan yesterday. Um, so she's gone the 13th seed. Victoria Azarenka losing to Jessica Pagula um, in straight sets. That was one I wasn't expecting at all. Maria Sakari falling in three to Kristina Mladenovic, who's like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You do never know what you are going to get <laughs> with her. Um, Coco Gorfi, Alina Svitolina will be really interesting in the second round. Um, Bianca Andreescu falling absolutely belted by uh, Shea Suwei today, 6-3, 6-2. Venus Williams, unfortunately, falling as well. She had a well, literally falling in the first set against uh, Sara Arani was uh, was one all. She didn't win a game after that. Uh, Arani winning that 6-1, 6 love to move through to a third round meeting with uh, Shea Suwei, which will be very interesting in D. Petra Kvitova also gone in three sets to Serana Sestaya today. Gabinia Muguruza still looking very, very good. She's through to the third round. Bernada Pera belted Angelique Kerber as well. Uh, Onjabur still in uh, on the women's side as well. Arena Sabalenka getting through just over Daria Kasakina, who was serving for the first set. Um, and Jung Shui also out as well as Alison Risk. So a lot of the seeds have fallen so far. But, uh, Joel, your assessment of the women's side of things. Yeah, it's been really interesting, hasn't it, Belle? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, a, a real shock was uh, was certainly seeing uh, you know, players like Sakari go. Um, I mentioned her especially. I've always been a pretty big fan of hers just because I've always just thought she's underrated, um, just the way she plays and, oh, I guess, the, the strength as well. So to see her bow out in, in the first round was a bit of a surprise. But having said that, I don't think she would have been particularly happy to see... Uh, Christina Mordenovic's name uh, next to hers. Very unpredictable. Um, you mentioned Petra Kvitova, gone. Um, would have been nice to see her go a little bit further. Um, everyone loves Petra. Um, but, yeah, Victoria Azarenka, uh, a, a real surprise. Um, would, would not have picked her in a million years to go down to uh, Jess Pagula. And, and, look, take nothing away from her because, um, you know, obviously, played a freaking fantastic match. Uh, to Vika, who had an excellent 2020, really. So, yeah, look, that was that was a surprise. But, um, you know, in terms of uh, who's been good, um, we can't look past Ash, can we? She's no. been superb. I mean, um, hasn't played in, in 12 months. What? Really? Um, you wouldn't know because she's just absolutely on fire. It's uh, It's been fantastic to see from Ash. Doesn't look like she's missed a beat. And, uh, you know, beyond that, um, a couple of... A couple of smokies I like. I've been in the roof, and no one's really kind of spoken about her so far. She's just kind of gone about things this summer in Australia pretty quietly. Um, only fell to Ash, of course, in the in the warm up event, but uh, barely lost a set before then. And uh, to my memory, didn't drop more than two games in any of those sets. She's looking really good. And uh, even though Arena Sabalenka um, didn't, I don't think she played that well against Daria Kasikina today. But um, you know, I'm expecting her to, to hit another level. Um, as the matches progress, and I think she'll go really deep. She had an excellent 2020 as well, and uh, even Simone Halep, who's on court against Dalio Tomjanovic, as we record this podcast on Wednesday night, um, I kind of feel like no one's really spoken to you about Simona either. So, um, you know, fascinated to see, see how she goes. She's looking great. And the French Open champion, Iga Sviontek, no one said a word about her. Um, she's just quite liches. So, uh, yeah. Fascinating to see what he can do on hardcore. Yeah, exactly right. And um, the, the one thing that uh, that bodes well for, as you said, Arena Sabalenka, 
She's been training up with the one and only Mark Sifoulis of the tennis menu and George Vodiasis, big George, um, who we do love on this podcast. And <laughs> we love George. George and Mark. They're, they're wonderful men. And uh, Arena Sabalenka will be better off for that hit out, I'm very, very sure. But you're right, Iga Swiatek hasn't been spoken about. And another one, Nadia Podoroska. She's unseeded. She'll take yeah. on Donna Vekic in the second round um, tomorrow, which will be Thursday. We're, as you said, recording this on Wednesday night. Very exciting prospect. She was unheralded at the French Open. No one, barely anybody knew anything about her. She's made the semifinals. Now she's in the top 50. She's recording more top 10 wins uh, with a win over Petra Kvitova last week. She is on genuine fire. And I think she'll account for Vekic pretty easily and continue her form. Um, but another one that I, I want to bring up, Sam Stoza is through to the, fir- the second round for the first time since 2015 at the Australian Open. Yeah, fantastic. Who knows what we're going to see with her. She'll, uh, she, look, she doesn't do overly well here. She'll take on Jessica Pagula, who did take out Victoria as a ranker. So, it, look, she never does. Her best round, I think her best performance here is the fourth round. She's done that on a few occasions. It would be good to see her. There's no seeds really left. Um, until she gets to the fourth round. So it could be done if she plays her best tennis. I hope she does play her best tennis. Um, but, yeah, genuinely not sure there. But uh, the women's draw, again, Joel, it is just so damn open. And I, do, I honestly... I, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. You can, Any of them, and if you look at the top, the, the third quarter um, of this draw, Suwaish or yeah, third quarter. Suwaishe, Sara Arani, Marketa Vondrasova, and uh, Serrano Sestea are going to be playing for a spot in the quarterfinals. One of those four will be getting through. Mm. And if it's Shay or Arani, who would have thought that they're both way beyond thirty? And to see them both get through, or to give themselves a chance for a fourth round at a Grand Slam, is is phenomenal. Let alone get through to a quarter. So. It's just brilliant, and I'm 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 still coming to grips with with who I think will win. Serena has floated under the kind of floated under the radar. What do you think of her outfit, Joel? Because it's a lot of people are saying that they love it. I'm probably one of the minority. I think it's absolutely horrible. But um, what what do you think? Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, look. To be honest, Val, I don't I don't really care. <laughs> In all honesty, I don't I don't really think it matters too much. I think uh, she'll just let her play. Uh, do the talking, and um, at the end of the day, if uh, her and Nike can uh, can sell some clothes, I don't think they'll be too upset. But yeah, um, true. Nah, look for no. Nah, look, I think it's uh, for her. It's you know, it's it's all just about um, the biggest thing is the endurance. I'm just keen to see how how uh, not necessarily how far she can get because she, that's what she does. We we know that it's a given. But I think what we're all interested in is um, you know, as she's certainly not getting any younger. It's more. It's a case of. What we really want to see is, as matches draw longer, can she sustain the, uh, you know, that level throughout the whole match? Um, and that that is the burning question, I think. Yep, definitely agree. And uh, look, I'm not sure she's going to be able to do it. It'd be unbelievable to see her win her 24th Grand Slam here at Melbourne Park four years after she won it pregnant um, over Venus in the final, which still baffles me to this day that she was able to do that. A testament to just how unbelievable she is. But... Um, look, we better get to our special guest because we managed to track him down, Joel. We'll get to our predictions for the tournament and our Benoit of the week. There's a few people who could get a nomination uh, this week. Benoit could go uh, three of four weeks so far this year and uh, be on track to break uh, Novak Djokovic's record. And one thing I didn't mention on the men's side of things, Pedro Martinez, the world number 87, 
from Spain. He's got through to his second consecutive third round at a Grand Slam after doing it at the French Open. He's done it again here in Melbourne. So well done to him. But Joel, uh, Chris O'Connell coming up. We've tracked him down. And Joel, we have tracked down our special guest. He's been good enough to join us. Uh, he's still in the tournament at the Australian Open, which is unbelievable considering he's uh, he's given up his time here for us. And he's had a big win over Jan Lennard Struff, 7-6-7-6-6-1. His first main draw win at the Australian Open to go with his first main draw win at a Grand Slam at the US last year. His name is the one and only Chris O'Connell. Chris, thanks for joining us on Breakpoint again. And congratulations, mate. You're uh, You're in the second round of the Aussie Open. How are you? Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, yeah, pretty stoked to get get the win and uh, move on to the second round. It was a pretty tough match, and especially because Struff had such a good week at the ATP Cup last week, uh, defeating uh, Milos Raonic in uh, in the number two singles against uh, Germany against Canada. Got Germany to the semi-finals and was serving really well yesterday. But you were able to negate that in the match. What was the what were the key plans going into it? Um. Yeah, well, obviously, um, yeah, he serves his weapon and uh, the courts are playing quite quick here and uh, the balls are also quite quick. So um, that was always going to be the, uh, the issue, dealing with his serve. Um, and to be honest, I, I, quite, I struggled quite a lot to deal with his serve throughout the match. Um, but, yeah, I was just lucky enough to just to turn it on slightly in the first two set tie breaks and make a few more returns. And, uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, lucky enough to yeah scrape through those first two sets. Yeah, I got to say, Chris, watching that match, and yeah, as uh, as Val did say, I, I watched it from start to finish, and it was a uh, fantastic watch, and uh, looked like there was a nice little crowd for you uh, yeah. out there as well on, on the outside courts. And um, I, I guess just in terms of the tennis that you were playing, it was as good a level um, as I've seen from you. Like, did you, did you feel that way as well? That it was really up there with the with the best that you've produced, just about. Um, yeah, um, which is a little bit odd because, I mean, I, I didn't have much of a preseason. Uh, I was all over the place. I've just been battling with coming back from uh, an ankle injury. Um, so I really don't have too much tennis underneath my belt. So um, it was more just, I guess, just belief and trust in my game out there. And, uh, yeah, off the ground, I, I felt very comfortable. Um, the ground strokes were good. And, yeah, I was serving, serving great. Yeah, and just before we talk more about the Aussie Open and, and how you're going, can you sort of take us through what you got up to um, in the preseason? Obviously, a very disruptive time around the world uh, at the moment. And um, you, you, you have mentioned you had that ankle injury as well. And um, when we saw it, we were both really worried because from memory, you had match point in that match that you were playing um, over in Barcelona, I, I think it was. And we thought, geez, this must be bad if, if Chris has had to retire on match point. So can you sort of talk us through um, how the tail end of last season and the off season have gone for you? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it sucks. Our only ankle on match point. Um, it had rained earlier that morning, so the court was pretty uh, soft and muddy. Uh, so my foot just dug in at the wrong time, and uh, yeah, snapped a couple of ligaments. Uh, I was in shock at first, so I was actually walking around. But physio came out in court, and he's like, "No, nah, no chance." Um, and uh, he, uh, I hobbled off court and I actually fainted as soon as I got off the court. So uh, I was in quite a bit of pain. Um, yeah, and then it was, yeah, such a battle to get home. Um, doing the two weeks quarantine with a 
a dodgy ankle pretty much in a cast. Didn't do it any any justice at all, any help. Um, and that probably, um, yeah, I guess the recovery process um, took a lot longer pretty much because of that fact. Two weeks without any treatment or being able to see a physio yeah. or a sports doc. Um, so, yeah, it took me a long time to get going again. By end of December, early January, I was starting to feel like I was 100% on court, like 95 to 100%, but I just wasn't able to slide out on that um, on that right foot up until only, like a, I guess, a few weeks ago, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I've also had a cortisone in it. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been pretty stressful and pretty up and down uh, pre-season. Yeah, it does sound like it. And then talk us through actually trying to get to Melbourne because you've had the ankle injury, you've had to quarantine, and then you live in Sydney's northern beaches and then all of a sudden COVID spike and there's the traffic light permit zone that you had to apply for and getting to Melbourne actually became a tough task. Yeah, uh, that was that was brutal and very stressful again. Um me and Alexander Vukic were in that situation. Now, um, areas in Sydney were considered red zones. So, uh, yeah, we had to try and navigate our way around orange zones. Uh, so we stayed one night in Gosford in an orange zone and then we spent three nights down in Kiama, south of Sydney, in an orange zone. So we thought we were going to have to do that for 14 days, but thankfully the borders opened up. Um, and we're allowed to come into Victoria because I, yeah, I didn't want to get to that that quarantine bubble in Melbourne. Yeah, we did speak to Alex Bukic a few weeks ago, and he said that you uh, you managed to pick him in getting the permit into Victoria a little bit a uh, little bit quicker. So he was kind of jealous of you there. But yeah. um, looking at the Australian yeah. Open now, and the it, it was an amazing win yesterday, and then tomorrow you've got Radu Albot, the little Moldovan. Uh, he's a country hero over there, but he's taken down Roberto Bautista Agu. What do you know about him and what are your expectations of the match? Yeah, uh, I mean, he must be playing some good tennis if he's beaten uh, a good. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about him, um, but yeah, he's been a, a consistent player in the top 100 for, uh, I'm going to say, about five years now. Um, but yeah, I think he did the hard yards through the challenges and futures. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a solid player. Um, and yeah, I'm expecting a, a tough matchup against him. He's gonna he's gonna make plenty of balls. Do you feel like you've got a bit of an advantage over some of these guys that have come in from abroad, Chris? Obviously, you know, we've spoken a bit about the fact that you had to kind of navigate around this whole traffic light system that we have in Victoria. And it's at some points, admittedly, it kind of does feel like that people moving within Australia are almost coming from overseas because it's that strict. It's almost at that level, but. Um, do you feel like, you know, given all that was made of the quarantine for the players coming in from overseas, do you feel like you might have something to potentially exploit there coming up against a guy like Ryder? Yeah, uh, I mean, for sure. There's always an advantage, even in normal circumstances, when these players come over to Australia. So um, for these guys to be in strict quarantine, um, yeah, it's, 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 definitely, it's definitely harder on them. Um, but in saying that, like I just told you guys, like I've had a pretty, pretty uh, bad preseason, so it's not ideal preparation for me. But um, yeah, so everyone's got their own little, little problems. I mean, yeah, obviously, I mean, ninety percent of the the field at the moment has done the the hard quarantine or soft quarantine, 
in Melbourne. So, yeah, for the Australians, it's yeah definitely a slight advantage, I, I, I would think. And what does a day off at the Australian Open look like for you? So winning yesterday, what did you do uh, today in terms of recovery? Did you focus on tomorrow's match and look at a game plan at all? Or uh, what, what, what does the day look like? It was pretty stressful today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was meant to be pretty relaxed, but I mean, I went to bed pretty late last night. Um, woke up still pretty early. Uh, got off to the courts, had to do media this morning, and then um, went over to Out Park and trained for about an hour. And then had to get the bus back, uh, <laughs> eat, put my rackets in to get really strong, get a massage. Um, yeah, so it's and by the time I do all that, it's 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 four five o'clock and um, yeah, I'm still at the court. So uh, yeah, it's, it was quite a long day, but yeah, I'm pretty relaxed now. It's all good. This Grand Slam tennis isn't what it's supposed to be, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just to touch on the uh, the Aussie side of things, Chris, as we've kind of spoken a little bit about already, it's been a really good uh, Aussie Open for. The men mainly so far, obviously, on the other side of things, we've got uh, Ash Barty powering along and uh, Dasha Gavrilova's not doing too badly either. But quite a lot of Aussie men into the second round, um, including yourself, clearly. So um, I guess just from a, I guess a national perspective, how does it make you feel to be amongst that contingent and, uh, you know, sort of flying the flag? Oh, yeah, it's, it's great when a whole bunch of Aussies are doing well. Um, such a good atmosphere. Um Especially, I mean, we, we trained all together um, just prior to the ATP event uh, the other week. Um, so that was such a good environment to be in with Kokonakis, Duckworth, um, Vukic, uh, Bolt. Um, yeah, it's just, it's awesome when all the Australians are doing well. It's, it's a good feeling around the place. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've been very generous with your time and you're obviously uh, just about to go get some food. But just before we do let you go. I don't know if you remember from last time when we had you, but we uh, finished off the chat with uh, some fun stuff and uh, we're going to ask you uh, some similar kind of questions but with a bit of a twist. So we're going to do rapid fire but with uh, an Aussie open kind of feel to it. So first question, I noticed you uh, smashing a banana uh, on court against Jan Lenhardt uh, yesterday. So this is a, I think it's not necessarily a controversial I've one, just seen this question. This is stupid, Joel. Oh, yeah, but some people have some people have an interesting taste. So, Chris, your bananas green or yellow? Uh, well, uh, this is meant to be rapid fire. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could eat it. It's pretty much black, so I'm on the other side. <laughs> no, nah, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Who's the best hitting yeah. partner? Hitting partner. Um, Dane Kelly, an Australian guy, doesn't miss a ball. Okay, there we go. Good rap for Dane Kelly. What's your go-to song before a match? Oh, some stoner rock jam. I'm into. Well, that's the genre. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so some sort of rock rock song. Yeah, very good. I like it. What's the best thing about Melbourne Park? Uh, just the facilities. It's just so nice and organised. Yeah. Yep, so say all of us, same for the players and the fans alike. What do you, or who do you like, I should say, for the men's and women's championships, obviously apart from Chris O'Connell? 
Oh, for the winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can say you. <laughs> no, it's it's boring, but uh, Djokovic probably. I think he just won. Um, yeah, he did. And for the women, let's say Barty. Very nice, very nice. And one more before I do let you go. The Lecoq Sportif partnership there, the uh, the new outfit, they look pretty good. Um, when did that eventuate? And um, yeah, are you excited about the new venture? Yeah, um, I started speaking to them late last year uh, when I was over in uh, France getting ready for the uh, French Open. So um, yeah, I'm wearing their gear. I look pretty French at times, some of their tracksuits, all the, the French colours, <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's some quite yeah nice gear so um yeah happy to be wearing it now they do look very good they do a good job the french outfits there chris o'connell thank you very much for joining us here on breakpoint podcast it's an absolute pleasure to have you on again you are one of the nice guys of tennis around the world not just in australia and wish you all the best against radu albot and the further on in the tournament that you do go and we hope that is a win because uh, we believe in chris o'connell um on breakpoint so good luck with the rest of the tournament and thanks for joining us Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Chris O'Connell there joining us on Breakpoint Podcast. The guy is just an absolute legend. And look, he's been through he's been through the absolute wars, Joel, and with with what we've seen and cleaning boats and struggling with injuries. And then all of a sudden, he's in a cast during quarantine and can't see a physio or a sports doctor or anything like that. And then he gets stuck in the northern beaches and has to go travel through orange zones. And geez, he's been through the wars to get here, but... He's in the second round of the Australian Open and there's not one more deserving player um, that is in the second round of the Australian Open. And fingers crossed he can continue his campaign uh, through to the second week of the Oz Open should he get there. But it's time for our favourite segment of the week, Joel. And there's a few people that could get this nomination for Benoit of the week. Benoit himself got it last week. And look, we could give it to him again because we saw him on Friday night and he let us down big time with retiring and then... He's lost his sponsorship with Lacoste. He's uh, he's out of the Australian Open. He's given the Australian Open organisers a massive whack. He's won his doubles match today, or he's played doubles today. I'll double-check whether he won um, or didn't. But um, who is our Benoit of the week this week? Yes, so even though Benoit is a red-hot shot for Benoit... Um, he did lose doubles today, actually. It... Oh, he, he lost. Yeah, he's there. out. There yeah. Okay. No, no surprise. Um, no, it's it's not uh, it's not him. So, uh, for for those listening from outside Australia, it actually um, has not been a particularly good week on the COVID front um, in Melbourne. Probably actually for those living here, probably one of the more frightening ones um, since I don't know, probably August September. Really, um, you'd have to say, Val. I think it's been a, a bit of a worrying week. There's been a few cases. Um, spreading through one uh, quarantine hotel, which has since been uh, shut down. But um, there was uh, a case in a, in a worker last week that was essentially the, uh, the first of all these cases. And um, look, nothing against the worker. Like he was, in the words of the Premier, a model citizen. So um, we'll, we'll believe that. It sounds like he's done all the right things, been co- cooperative and just happened to be unlucky and, and catch this goddamn virus. But... Benoit of the week this week goes to COVID Quarantine Victoria, which is the subordinate government body in charge of managing, essentially, what the name says, quarantine of COVID. Now, the reason I bring this up and brought the worker up is because, uh, according to Channel 9 News, the, funnily enough, the um, 
host broadcaster of the Australian Open here in Australia, they reported last week that COVID quarantine Victoria threw a party for people working in hotel quarantine system, which included uh, this worker who tested positive. And again, you know, he's only doing what he's allowed to do. He just clearly didn't know if he had had the virus. But COVID quarantine Victoria, according to this report, threw a party for people working in the quarantine system. Now, that's fine because uh, I'm about to say why it's not fine, but, you know, people are entitled to, you know, let their hair down. These these people that are working in hotel quarantine, they're workers. Um, you know, they, they are entitled to let their hair down, whatever you like, have days off. But I would have thought that throwing a party uh, full of people that have such a, um, such a fragile environment <laughs> probably is not the best idea. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're at such a risk of, of being so close to this virus and then having people in that setting at a party, lots of close contacts, um, Val, I don't think that's the best idea, do you? No. It borderline, it's borderline moronic, really. Well, it is moronic. It's not borderline. It's well over that line that they can't even see the line, um, to quote Joey Tribbiani from <laughs> Friends. But, um, yeah, it's... Look... <laughs> there's not really much more I can say to that. It's just there's there's common sense on the left and there's just idiocy on the right and they've gone to the right. It's mm. That's all I can say because you'd think after what happened in Melbourne last year, we'd realise and we'd make the changes and the policies would be in place that, you know, we are foolproof now and issues are still arising. And people are blaming the tennis for this, which... You, I don't think you can because the, a lot of these events have occurred from outside tennis circles. There was one last week with the Grand Hyatt, um, but that's about it. So, look, it, it just needs a regroup. People need to sort of, people just need to be strict, calm down, stop moving around, don't allow these quarantine workers to go out and about, keep with this rigorous testing that they've got, and go from there. But that's all I can really say on it. Uh, it's just baffling that they threw a party and um yeah hopefully they've learned their lesson and we can nip the virus in the butt again there's not too many cases but south australia have shut their borders to victoria again um which isn't exactly Stupid. what we want so fingers crossed that uh, fingers crossed that we can get it sorted but jolt that's about it for us here at break point today it's been um it's been a big week so far of tennis um hopefully we'll get to sleep early tonight with the matches but uh, you never know that uh, we've had a couple of late night finishes so far in the first few days of the Australian Open. But thank you for your efforts today as well. No, it's been a great one, mate. Um, we're, we're thinking of going to the tennis on Friday night and uh, checking it out. Hopefully we get Dominic Team and uh, Nick Kyrgios, who is on court as we record against Ugo and Bird. But, uh, geez, the prospect of that is absolutely tantalising. But until then, mate, enjoy the tennis. Same to you, mate. Same to you. Thank you very much for tonight. Uh, and Chris O'Connell... We thank him as well. What a legend he is for giving us his time when he's still in a Grand Slam and he'll take on Radu Albot in the second round. We record this, as Joel said, on Wednesday night. So hopefully Chris O'Connell can get through to round three and beyond. But Val Febo and Joel Frucci joining you as we do every week on Breakpoint Podcast. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, uh, Facebook, uh, Breakpoint Pod 1, or just search Breakpoint. Um, we're there and you can subscribe on Wooshka. 
uh, on Spotify, uh, on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Just search, subscribe, wherever you get your shows. We'll be there. Val Febo, Joel Frucci signing off this week. Big thank you to Chris O'Connell again. We'll catch you next week for a more in-depth review of the first week and a half of the Oz Open.